If the Bible is God's word, what should we do with it? Many of us turn to it looking for guidance, for stories to encourage us and heroes to elevate as examples. In Abraham, we find inspiration to trust God with everything, just as he did by not holding back his only son. Elijah challenges us to be courageous, just as he was when he called down fire from heaven. And David encourages us to overcome any obstacle, just as he did when he slew the giant with a stone. These heroes of the faith do inspire us, but if that's all they do, we place a burden on them too great to bear. The same burden we place on ourselves when we try to live by their example. After all, Abraham was a liar. Elijah ran away to die in the wilderness when threatened, and David murdered one of his closest allies to cover up an affair. What if the Bible's heroes aren't simply models, but pictures of brokenness? People like us who need a hero too, the hero all the Bible's heroes point to, Jesus. This is the story all scripture tells from beginning to end. The story that isn't simply about how to live, but how to live through the one who lived for us. The story that invites us to continue sharing it, inviting others to follow him until the day he returns. The good news, the story of redemption, the story of the gospel. Uh, quick question for you this. How many of you, by a show of hands, whether you're watching online or you're in the house, come on, just, just participate in this moment with me. How many of you have ever gotten lost before? Raise your hand. Come on, you've gotten lost, all right? We all have crazy stories to how we've gotten lost. Um, how many of you have ever lost your kid before? Raise your hand. Come on, you've lost your kid. There's a lot of hands. You guys are horrible parents. <laughs> what are you doing? No, I'm just joking. But uh, all of us have lost different things. We've lost our kids. We've lost our way. Um, in some ways, you may feel right now like you're coming out of a season where you were lost. Maybe you felt lost in your relationship with God. Maybe you felt lost in your relationship with your spouse. Maybe you felt lost in your relationship with others. And you began to question and you began to wonder, what is the next step? Pastor Brian, you're always talking about bringing people one step closer. You're, you're always encouraging me to take the next step. But, but sometimes I just don't know what that step is because I feel lost. This entire series, Strong Foundations, is about giving us the tools that we need to be able to actually find ourselves in seasons, not where we're lost, but where we're actually found. Now, the beauty of it is this, is the gospel is this, is that you and I have been found as sons and daughters of the king. Come on now. If you don't know that, your identity is not in your name, your job, your, who you're married to, your social status. It's not based upon your economic status in life. Your identity is as a son or a daughter of the king. One or the other. Son or daughter, there is no plurals, there is no pronouns, there is no other things. You are either a son or a daughter of the king because God does not make mistakes when he creates. God knows exactly who he has called you to be and you are his son or his daughter. Now the beauty of being his son or daughter is, is this, is that we don't have to live life lost. We don't have to live life wandering. We don't have to live life trying to figure out what's next and all these different things. We can actually trust because our hope is found in Christ. My wife earlier was sharing with you during the hosting moment there just about how our hope is found in Christ. The songs we were singing were declaring our hope is found in Christ. And that hope actually leads to a place of not being lost, but actually a place of being found. So the other day, Kasha and I were walking. Uh, we love to hike right now. It's kind of like our thing. We go out hiking. We decided to go back to Hidden Lake Gardens, which is really, really beautiful uh, in the summer. And uh, during the winter, it's just a bunch of trails and dead trees and all that kind of stuff. But we were walking out there, and we had been on the trails before. And this time, as we were walking around, I saw this trail that kind of went off. And I, and I knew the vicinity of where that trail was going. I in my mind, I said, you know what, I know where we're going. This trail is going to lead us back to where we started. Kasha kind of questioned me a little bit, but being the good submissive wife that she is, she let me lead. 
And so we lead and we get up to this end of the trail and all of a sudden we find ourselves in this parking lot. And that moment she is still being kind, still being gracious because we're not where we're supposed to be. To which I, being the male dominant guy, decide there's got to be another path, there's got to be another trail. And so I see the next trail and so I just walk off kind of like I knew where I was going. And, and so we walk and we hit this next trail and she's impressed or maybe not. And we walk down this little valley and then we walk up this steep hill and then all of a sudden it circles right back. And we start walking back on the trail and we're going completely the opposite way of what we were supposed to be going. So much so that we ended up going back all the way to where the trail had connected off and we had basically just made a giant loop. We were, what? Lost. <laughs> we were lost. And uh, even though I could pretend like we weren't, we were lost. And... Uh, it's not that bad to be lost out there, but we were lost. I had no idea really where we were going because I thought the internal compass was going to steer me the right way because I'm a man and we know where we're going. Like we don't need a compass. We don't ever get lost. We don't need directions. Siri who? We don't need that. Like we got ourselves. But the reality of it was is we were lost. My gut feeling did not pay off. And I think sometimes in life we can relate to the gut feeling, right? Like we, we've got this gut feeling that we're supposed to go a certain way even when we feel lost. Even in the midst of it, we want to be confident. We want to be confident with our spouse. We want to be confident in the relationships that are around us. Maybe in your workplace and you're like, I know where we're going. I know what direction we're supposed to go. And so you take off on the adventure of life, taking one step at a time. You're marching forward only to find sometimes you're circling around. Sometimes you're lost. Sometimes you're headed down the wrong path. Sometimes you hit a dead end. Sometimes you just don't know where you're going. And sometimes... Sometimes you get it right. Sometimes you actually somehow stumble into the right thing and you look back at it and you go, that's right, I'm a man and I know where I'm going. But the reality of it is, is life is filled with dead ends, cutbacks, circlebacks, and life is filled with paths. The journey that we've been called to in life has been given to us through the Word of God. Now, the beauty of the Word of God is this, is it's like a road map. And we talked about that a few weeks ago. Um, we talked about how a map, an atlas, or any type of map is given to us to tell us the direction of where we need to go. We can, we can look at a map and we can say, okay, based upon the map right here, I'm in Muskegon County. And so in Muskegon, I can see that there's Fruitland and Dalton and Cedar Creek and I can see Moorlands in there and Casanova and Sullivan. I can see all these different roads, all these different things based upon the map. If you were to ask me where Casanova is, I would have not been able to tell you until I just read the map. I could say, oh, it's in Muskegon. It's in that area. Oh, Pastor Brian knows. It's funny because we meet people who know a little bit about the Bible and they all of a sudden we ask them a question and they're able to rattle off a Bible fact and we think, wow, that person must really understand where they're going. They must really understand the Word of God. How many of you ever met somebody who knew a lot of information about God but was really shallow in their faith? I know somebody like, I, can I raise my hand on that? Is that judging them? Is it like, I'm just asking a question. Maybe it is a little bit of judging, but I think we've all met people that have a large amount of Bible fact knowledge, but maybe very shallow relationship. The Bible has not been given to us just for information's sake. It's actually been given to us for application's sake. God wants you to digest his word, to take it in. Your goal every week should not be, I'm coming to church so Pastor Brian will feed me everything I need for the week, or whoever's preaching, Amanda last week, or, or one of the other staff members. Like it doesn't, it, It's not that we come every week and go, please give me enough. It's help me understand some of these truths so that this week I can actually dig in myself. 
So this week I can spend time in God's Word. I've been reading a lot of articles lately about the importance of God's Word. It's interesting how culture right now, many in the church are screaming out, red alarm. There's like an alarm going off and they're saying, we have got to teach people how to engage in God's word. You know why? Because all of a sudden the church had to shut their doors. And all of a sudden people couldn't gather together in community. And all of a sudden people were left to digest God's word by themselves. And as we can tell, as time has gone on, not all of them have returned back. (laughs) Now, I know many are still watching online, but the reality of it is, is that things have changed. And if we have not taught people how to engage in God's word and how that can be a strong foundation, then, then Christianity is in trouble. Now, I, don't, I didn't say the church because the Bible is clear. The gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. But as a whole, I think when we look at things, we begin to understand that it's easy to find ourselves getting lost in society and in culture. Kasha and I were talking uh, on one of our hikes and as we were just talking and relating, and I love it because it's like her and me time. Like, there's nothing else. She's not walking a trail with her cell phone out. I'm not walking a trail with my cell phone out. We're engaged in conversation. We're engaged on the circumstances that are around us. And in the midst of that, we're having these conversations that I believe are growing our relationship. Why? Because the more time I spend with her, the more I get to know her. The more I get to know her, the more I love her. The more I love her, the more I want to do things for her. The more I want to do things for her, the more she loves me back. It just continues to go back and forth. Now, I don't love her just so I get things in return, but come on, fellas, it's nice. Just try liking your wife. Be nice to her. You may be surprised at how she responds. It's the same way with God's word. The more we go back to God's word as a strong foundation in our lives, the more we get to know it. The more we get to know it, the more we get to love it. And the more we get to love it, the more we get to experience the love that God has for us. It's not that God changes the way he loves us. He loves us still the same. It's just we get to understand his love a little more. Guess what? The more I spend time with Kasha, it's not that all of a sudden when I spend more time with her, she loves me more. All that happens is, is I get to understand how she actually loves me. Sometimes I have stinking thinking towards my relationship with her. Sometimes I think negative thoughts that she's not even thinking. I, she says something and I hear it one way. Come on now, anyone know what I'm talking about here? Now this isn't even in my notes, but someone needs to hear this here for a second. Maybe it's me, okay? Maybe I'm just preaching to myself for a second. But what we have to understand is, is this, is that if your filter is busted towards others around you, you have to fix the filter. If you think everyone around you is negative, if you think everyone around you is out to get you, if you think, you know, the world just hates you, guess what? You'll experience people hating you, people not liking you. But instead, if you focus in and say, you know what, they don't hate me. They just don't know me. They, don't, they may not know me. I'm going to show them how much love I got. I'm going to be kind to them even when they're not. When they cut me off, I'm going to smile at them instead of turning something at them. I'm going to love. Why would we do that? Well, the Bible is actually the roadmap. Now, if the Bible is the roadmap, Kasha said this, and I love this, and I just began kind of doing a bunch of research on it. If the Bible is the roadmap, then the Holy Spirit is the compass. So we don't have to worry about the Bible changing, but the Holy Spirit is the compass. The Holy Spirit's the one that keeps pointing us back to true north. What's interesting about a compass is, is that You can use a compass in any environment, and what is it going to do? It's going to point to true north. 
Now, based upon where you are in the country, you have to do a little bit of adjustments based upon declination and stuff like that. I won't get into all of that, but I was a royal ranger. And back in the day, they taught us how to actually read a map, a topical map. They taught us how to use a compass on that. They taught us how to adjust for declination because basically it has to do with where true north is. You have to make an adjustment based upon, so like if true north is here and you're here, then there's a, there, you have to adjust for that angle. If true north is here and you're here, then where's true north? It's pretty much right above you. But you have to kind of change based upon where you are. That's what God's word does all the time. Do you know that in different seasons, God is adjusting you to his word? When I first started off as a Christian, I did not understand God's word the same way I do now. Why? Because there's been adjustments that the Holy Spirit has made in my life. And the Holy Spirit has said, Brian, we need to adjust this. This, this is the true north, but let's make this adjustment. Let, let me bring you more into a line with where you are in Christ. And so God's word is the, is the road map. It's a topical map for our lives. But the Holy Spirit is the compass that actually brings us back in target where we begin to go, okay, okay, right there, okay, there. And once we find ourselves aligned with God and his word, then we apply it to our lives. And when we apply it, it begins to bring about change. That change brings about with it a strong foundation, a confidence in who we are in Christ. We don't have to walk around wondering what is the next step because we have a confidence in Christ. I remember as a young man in Royal Rangers, which is like the Christian Boy Scouts, kind of. If, if you're familiar with Boy Scouts, it's the Assemblies of God's um, a program for training up young boys and men. And I remember as a young man getting my orienteering merit badge. I was not very good with numbers and things like that. So this was actually a little bit more of a challenge because what they did is they gave you a set of coordinates and you actually had to figure out through the woods based upon, you know, different things like take 200 steps this way and at such and such coordinate, you know, turn right, you know, like there was all these things and you had to orient yourself through the woods to find this box that was located out in the woods and in that box was actually your, your I, didn't, I can't even remember what it was, it was something that we had to bring back with us then to actually show that we had oriented the course correctly. It was interesting because for me that was super challenging because I'm more of a guy that doesn't like being led by this, I like, like being led by my feelings. I got this. How hard can it be to find a box in the woods? It's a box, I'll find it, right? And maybe by happenstance I'll get there. But the reality of it is, is if you don't start off correctly, even if the declination is not correct, what starts off as just a slight change in the beginning, as time goes on, becomes massive difference. If I was to share with you those differences because I had written them in my notes after I had read them, you would be surprised. But I didn't, and now I wish I would have. <laughs> because what you would see is that Simply starting off in the wrong direction in the beginning can cost you greatly in the end. Now what I see across this room is I see some gray hair. And some of you would recognize that when you first started off in life, you were headed a certain direction. If that direction was the right direction, you look at it now and you go, I've arrived, I've come to that spot, I, I feel good with where I am. Some of us, though, you made decisions early on in life that you wish you could go back and change because once you headed in that direction, what has now paid off is in life, you realized you are very far from where you wanted to once go. And I don't say that out of condemnation, it's not. I'm just simply saying that's the reality for many of us because we were off a little bit in our first 
adjustments. Now the beauty is, is that God has given us his word. And in his word, he has laid out promises. He has laid out truths for us to be able to hold to. In the midst of those promises and truths, he actually has a plan. And that plan is that he came to seek and to save. Now that's good because some of us, many of us, all of us have at one point in time been lost. See, the Bible says in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's you, me, each and every one of us. We've all sinned and fallen short. I love how the psalmist in Psalms 119, he writes it this way. The message translation says, you're blessed when you stay the course, walking steadily on the road revealed by God. You're blessed when you follow his directions, doing your best to find him. See, God has set the course in the midst of our lostness. God has given us the road map, his word. He's given us the, the Holy Spirit, which is the compass. And the beauty of the compass is, is it always knows where true north is. It always knows where Jesus Jesus is in the midst of it. And Jesus is our true north. Matthew records it this way in Matthew chapter 7. It says, enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go by in by it, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. What is it talking about? It's talking about Jesus. He is the narrow gate. He is the true north. Now, there are many in our society right now who have various ideas of how you actually know God. There are different ways to God is what the world would say. I apologize. It's just so bad right now. Um, there are many who are out there right now throughout our society who actually think there are multiple ways to God. There are people who would argue that the Bible is antedated. They would say it's, uh, it's not relevant to today's society. People would choose to look at the Word of God as just some uh, book of poetry, history, or in the law. And Amanda did a great job last week just kind of unpacking how we can dig into God's Word even deeper. She talked about kind of the overview of the Scriptures and, and the importance of it and how we've seen the story of God throughout all of Scripture. She actually brought us right back to the first part of Genesis and showed us how in just a few verses we see all of God's plan and story kind of unfolding and seeing the connections throughout Scripture. It was amazing. I sat there just amazed at how God had kind of revealed that to her. And here's the beauty is that it isn't something that God just wants to reveal to Amanda or people who think that way. God wants to reveal it to all of us. And some of you may say, well, I'm just not, I'm not trained enough. I'm not equipped enough. I, I'm not smart enough. I, I don't think like that, whatever it may be. And I just want to remind you, that's where this comes in, the Holy Spirit. It was not Amanda's intellect that brought her to that. It was the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit reveals things in our lives, it begins to point things out that we look at and we say, that is amazing. I never even saw that in God's Word. Well, that's where the Holy Spirit comes in. Is that the Holy Spirit, when activating in our lives, is more than just a heavenly prayer language. Though that is important, but the Holy Spirit is the comforter. The Holy Spirit is the guide. The Holy Spirit is the, is the convictor. The Holy Spirit is the one that's working in your life and in my life. And he's pointing out and adjusting us back to true north. No, hey, you're headed down this path. And all of a sudden, you don't even realize as you're walking, you're lost. But the Holy Spirit, when activating our lives, is like the compass. And you begin to look back and you go, oh, I'm getting a little off. And so we begin to make the adjustment based upon what the compass is saying, the Holy Spirit in our lives. So what's Christ's mission? Well, Christ's mission is simple. It's to seek and to save the lost. Luke chapter 19, verse 10 says, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who are lost. See, everyone who has not placed their lives in Jesus is lost. So much of the world around us is lost. That's not a bad thing. Some people feel condemned. Some people will, when they realize that they're lost, go, oh no, I'm lost. I must not be good enough. But the reality of it is, is we all started off lost. I shared it earlier, Romans 3.23. 
For all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. John 14, 6, Jesus said to them, I am the way, the truth, and life. No man comes to the Father um, except through me. 1 Peter 3, 18, Christ suffered for our sins once and for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you safely, what? Home to God. You were lost. Look at your neighbor and say, I was lost. Say it again, I was lost. All of us, at one point in time, were lost. If you've been serving Jesus a long time, you need to remember that you were once lost. you know why? Because you'll appreciate how you've been found now. Ever received a gift and when you first get it, you're really thankful for it? But then after time, you become familiar with the gift. And after time, in becoming familiar with the gift, you start treating it like ordinary. Because why? It's just an everyday part of my life. But as time goes on, we need to be reminded of that gift. We need to be reminded of the blessings that God's put in our lives. We need to be reminded that he forgave us. We need to be reminded that he set us free. We need to be reminded that you are no longer slave to your sin, but you have been set free. You're not a captive. You don't go back to the old way of thinking. No, you've been set free. So be reminded once again that you've been found. For Jesus is our starting point. One encounter with Jesus changes everything. But that encounter simply starts the series of steps in your life. So if the Bible is the map and we need the Holy Spirit to be the compass of our lives, then what does this really mean to us today? And how do we actually apply it? Matthew chapter 7 verse 8 says this, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. And knock and it will be opened to you. Jesus says that to us because he's asking us to actually implement a process of learning. You ask a question, you ask for something in anticipation of receiving something. You knock with anticipation of someone opening the door. In these moments of life, we have to understand that it is many times our attitude towards learning that determines whether we grow in our relationship with Christ or whether we become stagnant. Whether we find ourselves walking in the right direction or find ourselves just looping around because we think we know where we're going. I know where I'm going. I can feel it in my gut. Now, some of you might say, well, Pastor Brian, you could have just asked the Holy Spirit. I could have, but I didn't. And some of you may say, well, that's even kind of weird. Do you really just walking down a path, just say, Holy Spirit, are you doing this? You know how a lot of times the Holy Spirit speaks to me? Through my wife. It's kind of strong over there. And you know what has happened in life? There have been times where I have disregarded that, and it's cost me. Kasha and I were talking about this the other day. Uh, I had pulled our car into the garage. I had cleaned it off. I had talked about this months ago, and, man, I was so excited. Got it all clean, got everything all situated. And I took one of our igloo coolers, and I put it up on the top shelf. I got it all nicely kind of put in there, and it was firmly put up there. And Kasha comes out, and she's looking at everything, and she looks up, and she sees that. And she says, oh, that looks like it's going to fall. Of course, I responded, you're right, babe. I'm going to take it off the shelf. I'm going to put it down. I didn't. And um, so a few weeks go by. I go to pull out one morning out of the garage, and I hear this, and I'm like, what is that? So I kind of am like, man, something must have got left, and I kind of go around the thing, and all of a sudden I see that stinking cooler down there on the ground. Not only was a cooler down there, but another box was down there. And then I realized it had fallen off of the top shelf, just like Kasha said it was going to do. And I looked at the hood of the Volvo, the beautiful gift that had been given to Kasha and I, the thing that I really take really good care of. Like, I, I wax that puppy up. I mean, I take good, it is spotless inside of it. Gosh, I can tell you. I like cleaning that car. It was a gift. I like a really 
extravagant gift. Um, and I look at it, and there's a huge ding in the hood here, and one over here, and one over here, and scratches over here. And I was sick to my stomach. I told Kasha about it later, and she looked at me, and she said, you should have listened to me. I said, if you knew the Holy Spirit was saying that to you, she's like, I just, I knew it. I knew it. We got into a little bit of discussion. I said, well, you should have gone later after I didn't and moved it yourself. (laughs) Hey, I'm still alive. (laughs) You're laughing because you know I shouldn't be. What, are you, what am I saying? Many times God uses other people to speak to us. I brought it into the place to get it fixed, $200. I'm like, that's a lot of money in there. He's like, oh, it could have been worse. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, it feels bad. <laughs> My baby. Should have just listened. God brings people into our lives all the time to help us adjust our what? Our attitudes. Are are you looking to the Holy Spirit to guide you in your life? Is your heart saying, I'm a son, I'm a daughter, so Holy Spirit, help me, guide me, direct me, use other people in my life, use my spouse, use other people in my relationships that I'm in community with in the church to help sharpen me, to help refine me. We talked about that a few weeks back, about iron sharpens iron. But guess what? If you don't allow people to be led by the Holy Spirit in your lives, it can cost you. And you may say, well, it's just a feeling, and I don't want, I don't want to be uh, just led by my feelings. That's true, so then that's why we have God's Word. Because God's Word actually allows us to allow our heart to be like clay, palatable in the hands of the, of the, the craftsman, of, of, in the hands of God, to where He begins to mold and shape our lives. He begins to call it our identity as sons and daughters. And when God reaches down, what happens is is he begins to reveal things to us through his word. But here's what's interesting, is that something happens along the way in our life. As we get older, we think we know more. And something happens that when a child is young, they're constantly learning. How do we know that? They're constantly asking questions. Why do they ask questions? To drive you crazy. No, that's not it. It's actually because they're learning. They're trying to learn more about the environments around them. That's why they watch you. They watch you as a grandparent. They watch you as a mom and dad. They watch how you interact with people. They watch you in the stores. They're learning from you because they're in a constant state of learning. But something happens along the way where all of a sudden it's like sometimes we think we turn 18 and we're like, dude, I'm an adult now. Because uh, the state says I'm an adult (laughs) So I'm an adult. I got an 18-year-old at home. I love Gabe, but sometimes he thinks he's an adult. And I'm like, you ain't an adult. You know how I know you're not an adult? Because I still pay for that cell phone. I still pay for that car insurance. I'm still paying for all those things. If you were an adult, you'd be on your own. And one day, that day will come. And until that day comes, you should enjoy the life you have because you don't know how good you got it. Come on now, anyone? Anyone know what I'm talking about? Shoot, if I could move back in with mom and dad and have them pay for everything, you better believe I would move back into that basement. I wouldn't, but you know what I mean. Jesus said this in Matthew eleven twenty five. 25. He said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned and revealed them to the little children. I had this thought as I was processing through this series and it was this every time we engage in God's word there's a posture that needs to be taken and it's a posture of prayer I started thinking about our soap method and scripture observation application and prayer and many times what happens is is when I go to engage in the word I read the word I'm like I got to get the scripture Come on, now, anyone know what I'm talking about? I got to get the scripture. I got to get it. I got to see what's going to jump out at me. And then I got to observe it. And I got to apply it. And I got to pray it. But I'm missing something on the front side. 
What prayer does before reading the word is it invites the compass to come in. And to say, you know what, before you ever read that road map, why don't you adjust? Why don't you realign? Why don't you let me deal with a few of those heart issues that are going on inside of you before you even get into God's word? Because maybe God doesn't want you that day to see through his word that very thing that you need to adjust. Maybe the Holy Spirit actually wants to talk to you right now about it before you even get into God's word. Some of us are like, dude, I'm in stinking thinking. I got wrong things happening in my life. And you know what? Every day I've been reading in the word of God and it doesn't say anything about that right now. I must be good. No, that's because you're ignoring the Holy Spirit, the compass. I don't have time to get into all of today's soap, but come on now. Some of you, if you're reading that about all the slaves and different things, you're like, dude, the word of God is weird and kind of messed up. And here's what you need to understand is culture was messed up. There was just pieces of it. And you may look at it and go, man, like, what's all this stuff? Like, something about a slave, and then if not, something about the daughters and this. And like, what? And you know what? That's where in community you digest God's word together. But here's what happens is when someone's left alone in God's word and we just pick and choose the good things, you know, like the things that are easy to eat, then what happens is is all of a sudden our young people go off to college one day and they're sitting in class and the professor says, hey, let's talk about Exodus chapter 21. And you go, what? I didn't know this was in here. And your faith is shaken Because you've never learned how to digest things in the word of God that are a little bit meatier and maybe a little bit harder to understand. Because it's easy for pastors to stay in John 3.16 every weekend and talk about how God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, which is part of the story, but it's part of the story. There's a lot more to God's word, and that's why we're trying to teach you how to allow God's word to be a strong foundation. But the thought was, we have got to prayerfully adjust our expectation before we even get into the word. And so I realized, like literally for me, with my boys, see, we soap every morning, and we spend time in God's word, but normally it's coming right after working out, and so we're, we're done working out, and we kind of hop into it, and we're just jumping in, and I began to realize as I was preparing, like, I need to make sure that we adjust our heart beforehand. We need to pray before we ever get into God's Word. John 16, 13 says, But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth. It's talking about the Holy Spirit. That means the Holy Spirit will help us understand God's Word. Some of you, after last week, you walked away and you were really encouraged and discouraged. Because you watched Amanda unpack God's word in a way and you go, man, like that is awesome. But then immediately the enemy came in and said, see, you can't do that. You began to compare your engagement with God's word based upon her. And then you began looking at others around you. As, as pastors, we struggle with this because we see other people and these pastors unpack God's word. And you go, man, like they're so good. Like that illustration, like that was so stinking awesome. Like I watch, and sometimes I'm just like, I'm just, my mouth is open. I'm just like, man. And if I spend my life comparing to others, guess what comparison always does? It makes me feel inferior. But when I just say, Holy Spirit, guide me into the things that I need to be guided into and trust him in that, then what happens is, is he brings me to the places I need to be. He illuminates the things I need to see. Maybe, just maybe, some of those things, it's just not time for you to fully understand all that. Or maybe you just need to actually spend more time in God's Word. I can tell you this, Amanda didn't just start reading the Bible last week. It's been a lifetime. And I think you're in your 30s, right? You should never ask a lady that, sorry. But So there's 30-something years of her life that's been invested into that. The Holy Spirit is there as the compass. He's the one that when we uh, have him in our lives, like John chapter 14, 26 says, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall what? 
teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. That could be why the Bible talks about I have hidden God's word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Why? Because once it's hidden in your heart, the Holy Spirit then begins to realign you back and says, hey, this thing that's in your heart, remember that. Hey, hey, remember that, that next time that person cuts you off, that next time that person in your workplace does you dirty, the next time somebody does something, the next time your spouse says we should go down this path because I got this gut feeling, I know where we're supposed to go. I'm convinced that a prayerless approach to God's word could be a major problem and major reason for many of our low-level dissatisfactions that we have in our lives as believers. It's because instead of praying before we ever get into God's Word, we just get into God's Word and then we pray at the end. In fact, I would say this, prayerless Christianity is actually powerless Christianity. I've met a lot of people who know a lot about God's Word but have no prayer life whatsoever and they got no power. I was challenged with this thought of how we could pray God's word and what does it look like then to approach it. And so I was taken back by Psalms 119, and I want to share this with you. Psalms 119. David here is praying a prayer that I believe has a huge effect on our lives. Now, in, in verse 105, which is kind of in the middle of the chapter, he says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. But I want to start back at the first part of it, because that's the one that we all know. We all, we all know that. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. We've sung songs about it. Probably, you probably have a refrigerator magnet. You probably got a trapper keeper that says it on the front of it. Anyone remember trapper keepers? Uh, you know, that was, my, that was my thing, my jam. But um, if we look back at verse 1, what we would see is this, is, David uh, starts it off and it says this, You are blessed when you stay on course, walking steadily on the road revealed by God. You are blessed when you follow his directions, doing your best to find him. That's right. You don't go off on your own. You walk straight along the road, he said. You, God, prescribe the right way to live. Now you expect us to live it. Oh, that my steps might be steady, keeping to the course you set. Then I'd never have any regrets in comparing my life with your counsel. I thank you for speaking straight from your heart. I learned the pattern of your righteous ways. I'm going to do what you tell me to do. Don't ever walk off and leave me. How can a young person live a clean life? By carefully reading the map of your word. I'm single-minded in pursuit of you. Don't miss the road signs you've posted. I've banked your promises in the vault of my heart so I won't sin myself bankrupt. Be blessed. God, train me in your ways of wise living. I'll transfer to my lips all the counsel that comes from your mouth. I delight far more in all you tell me about living than in gathering a pile of riches. I ponder every morsel of wisdom from you. I attentively watch how you've done it. I relish everything you've told me of life. I won't forget a word of it. Be generous with me and live a full life. Not for a minute will I take my eyes off of your road. And then verse 18, he says, Open my eyes so I, can see, so I can see what you show me of your miracle wonders. He goes on to say, I'm a stranger in these parts. Give me clear directions. My soul is starved and hungry and ravenous, insatiable for your nourishing commands. I want to focus in on verse 18 for just a second. And I want to focus in on the word open. In the ESV, that was from the message translation right there. But in the ESV, the English Standard Version, it reads this. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. If we were to do a simple word study on the word open, we could be pretty surprised by what we see. For many of us, we read that and it says, open my eyes, and we immediately get a picture of, okay, eyes opening. It, it's, it's like your eyes are closed and and it's, you know, all of a sudden now it's opened my eyes and our eyes open. But remember, we can do a little bit more study and do a little bit more um, 
word study on and something, and one of the things that technology has done is given us an ability to do word study that would have taken days to do. We can do it in, in literally minutes. So I did a word study on the word open. I have a computer program called Logos, L-O-G-O-S. It's probably one of the best investments I've ever made as a pastor. That program allows me to literally right-click on any word in the Scripture, and it pulls up all of the Greek and Hebrew words that are attached to it. If I was to do one right there, which I did, uh, the Hebrew word uh, that pulls up right there for the word open is this, is ganah. That Hebrew word is actually translated 189 times throughout the Word of God. So 189 times we see that word open, ganah, the Hebrew word being used throughout the Scriptures. If we were to then do a study of that, we can look at that word, and another step we can do is we can look at that word, how it was translated. And what we learn is, is by looking at how the, the scholars, the theologians before translated that, we can get a better idea of that word. So when I did the Bible study on it, 189 different times, it shows up ganah throughout it. 49 of those times, it's referring to the word, and the word uh, being used in the English translation is the word uncover. Uncover is actually referring to, in all those times, you can read the context of it, throughout almost all of them, it's referring to nakedness. When Noah found himself naked in front of his sons, the word that was used there was ganah. Ganah was used there, the Hebrew word. Throughout the scriptures, even in times where it says to not let your nakedness be shown, and throughout the Old Testament, it's actually using the word ganah. So we have to understand this, that when the scripture says, David says, open my eyes, think about it. He's saying, God, like, help me understand, help me to see the nakedness that's around it. Uncover it for me. The next time is 38 times the word exile is used to translate it. And each and every one of these times it's talking about the people of God were exiled from their homeland. They were, they were not uh, around where they were comfortable. It was a place where they, they felt like they were not in the place of home. 22 times the word was used of reveal. Eight times it was carried away. Eight more times it was the word open. Seven times it was the word captive. And I was struck with this thought, what could a simple prayer be that every time we go to dig into God's word could we use based on Psalms 119 verse 18? And here's what I came up with. A prayer that would look like this. And I, I want to encourage you to write this down. You can put it in your smartphone, you can type it up, you can write it down in a notepad, but it's this. God, uncover your truths. Help me to find my place in your story. Now, each one of these is based upon one of those translations. God, uncover your truth. We want God to uncover it. We, don't, we want him to expose it to us. We want, we want him to show us the naked realness of that moment. Help me to find my place in your story. When you think about exile, they were trying to find where's my place? Where's my home? Where do I belong? And I believe every time we dig into God's word, we should be saying that same thing. God, uncover your truths. Help me to find my place in your story and then reveal yourself to me. Carry me away from the worries of this life. I'm open to you, and I want to be captivated by your teachings. For me, my goal is to have this memorized. To where before I come into God's word, I take a posture of saying, God, uncover your truths today. God, help me to find my place in your story. Reveal yourself to me and carry me away from the worries of this life, for I'm open to you and I want to be captivated by your teachings. There's a story that talks about how back in the day on the open sea when they would cross, they would 
always put two compasses on a boat. One would be fixed to the deck near the wheel, and the other was fastened up high upon the mast of the ship. A passenger who was on one of those ships asked the captain the simple question, why do you have two compasses? The captain replied, this is an iron vessel, and sometimes the surroundings affect the compass. But such is not the case of the compass at the top of the masthead, for it is above all the influences from around it. You and I have actually been called to listen and to let the compass that is above guide our lives, not just the compass below. The gut feeling sometimes that we feel led by, sometimes it plays out, but sometimes it doesn't. But when we adjust our lives to the compass that God sets, when we adjust our lives to the Holy Spirit, when we let him be the true north, then what happens is, is we know the correct heading and we know how to apply it in our lives. Prayer is that higher compass. The Holy Spirit is that higher compass. And we can read the true courses in the middle of the circumstances because we know this, that God is above the influences of the surroundings. So we ask God to recalibrate our lives in prayer. We ask God to illuminate his word to us in prayer. And we simply say, God, uncover your truths. Help me to find your place in your story and reveal yourself to me. Carry me away from the worries of this life, for I'm open to you, and I want to be captivated by your teaching. Can you imagine for just a moment, in fact, if you could just close your eyes, I want you to imagine for a moment Jesus leading you on a wild, unpredictable, magnificent, transforming journey, and it's simply one step at a time. I want you to imagine for a moment gaining such closeness to him along the journey that you begin to look and act more like him. I mean, so much so that when people actually meet you, they see God's character in you. They see you living out what it means to be a mini-Christian, a mini-Christ follower. I want you to picture for a moment and imagine the Holy Spirit filling you up every time that you engage in his word. That from the very center of your being and from beyond yourself with a love and a joy and a peace and a patience and a kindness and a goodness and a faithfulness and a gentleness and a self-control that resulted in the fact that you no longer are struggling with addictions and the seductions of this world for you have risen above it. Imagine for me with just a moment that you had such power and direction from the Holy Spirit that no enemy could phase you and that no storm or strife could ever destroy you and that no virus or guidelines or rules could ever discourage you from where God has called you. Imagine with me for a moment him calling you like he did his disciples and saying to you, Come, follow me. See, Jesus doesn't want to be in your life because your life is a wreck. Jesus wants to call you out of the wreck and into his life. Look up here at me for a second. In some ways we can get confused and we can think that that God is like just interested in just kind of solving the problems but God is not he's actually calling you and I into a different type of life he's given us the roadmap 
He's given us the Holy Spirit. And he's saying, listen, I've got it. It's all right here. I've given you all the tools you need to navigate through this life. But the question is, is will you engage? A pastor is like a guide in many ways, which is great. And I know for years the church has been really struggled with the idea of teaching people how to engage in God's word because then the power and the control of the pastor kind of begins to become diminished. And I'm okay with that. You know why? Because I trust God's word. I don't want to control it. Man, it would be great if at one point in time the church just became so strong and so committed and so engaged in God's word that it was like pastors were great parts, but it wasn't like without a pastor I can't have a relationship with Christ. It's more than him just saving you from a wreck. It's him calling you to a new life. God, uncover your truths. Help me to find my place in your story. Reveal yourself to me. Carry me away from the worries of this life for I am open to you and I want to be captivated by your teachings. Jesus promised that he would send the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit would guide us into all truth. Jesus is the way. He is the truth. And as I shared earlier, John 14, 26, but the comforter which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name. He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. So Holy Spirit, right now, we come before you in this place, in this house. We come before you watching in our homes, watching in our cars, watching on our mobile devices, on computers, through all these various ways. We come before you right now, God, in all these environments, and we simply say right now, Holy Spirit, have your way in us. Come on, in fact, right now, could you just make that a personalized prayer right now? Could you just say, Holy Spirit, have your way in me? Come on, just begin to just, even just out loud, Holy Spirit, have your way in me. Holy Spirit, have your way in my marriage. Holy Spirit, have your way in my mind. Holy Spirit, have your way in my workplace. Holy Spirit, have your way in my health. Holy Spirit, have your way in my relationships with others. Holy Spirit, have your way in me. Be the strong foundation of my life. Holy Spirit, I invite you to illuminate your word. Holy Spirit, I invite you to let those words jump off the pages of Scripture, not just so I can feel good, but so I can be challenged to become more like you. God, call me out of my brokenness. Call me out of my addictions. Call me out of my apathy. Call me out of the things where I've settled. Father, help me to be more like you. Holy Spirit, be the compass of my life. Holy Spirit, be the compass of our lives. I feel like the Holy Spirit is, uh, wants to say something to, to a couple right now. You've been struggling in your marriage, and, you, and you may, you're sitting here even, and your mind is going, well, of course, there's lots of people who are struggling, but the, but the Holy Spirit wants you to specifically know that you have been putting a deadline on God to do something for you right now, and if he doesn't do that, you feel like that means that the door for your marriage is closing, and you're going to walk away from it, and God actually wants you to know right now that his answer is actually found in you fighting for that marriage. He's asking you actually to press through and to love unconditionally. And he's asking you to simply trust him. He wants you to hear that. He's saying, trust me. Trust me. 
He knows it's difficult. He's heard your prayers. And the world's answer is, it's okay, you can leave. But God is actually saying to you, nope, you're supposed to fight. You're supposed to press through. Father, we thank you that you um, speak to us through your word. I pray, God, this week as we engage in it, God, that as we look at the road map, that we would allow the Holy Spirit to be the compass, to guide us and direct us. God, help us to be who you've called us to be. May we recognize our identity as sons and daughters. We've been bought. The price has been paid. We thank you that we can engage in your word and we can grow from it. We can be challenged from it. So God, do that work inside of each and every one of us today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen.